to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 54. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins, and this week I wanted to first of all start out by telling about some great new developments that have happened. Um, Firstly, I just want to say there is another podcast out there. It's Barbara DeGrand, and I'd probably pronounce the last name wrong, uh, from Veganacious, which is which is a great blog. I love it. And also Barbara's a tireless advocate and she's actually been kind enough to take her time and profile some of us New Zealanders, our New Zealand abolitionists. Um, She uh, profiled myself, uh, Sam Tucker and Jordan Wyatt. And um, that is, you know, really kind of her to do that. And um, she has started podcasting, which is just fantastic. And her first podcast episode is called Lucy. And I'll post a link to her blog and also to the iTunes feed. I'm pretty sure that it's available on iTunes now. And I believe there's another podcast in the works. So we have a new, another abolitionist podcaster out there representing her community. And um, I think that's just great. I'm really pleased about that. So good on you. So that's, that's great. And I also want to shout out Ben Frost, who has written songs. He's a musician, singer, songwriter. And he's written two songs so far about veganism and abolition. And the first song is called I Am Someone, A Call for Veganism. And he has a YouTube channel where he's uploaded his songs. And the second song is called Killed for Taste, Loved for Companionship, Notes of Moral Schizophrenia. And um, so I'll post a link to that as well. Um, this is just fantastic that we are having music created, uh, and you know, the, you know, when we get when we get the movement really going, there'll be poetry, there'll be art. I mean, it's just it's just just beginning now. So I think this is wonderful. I also want to shout out Full Irish Vegan, a new blog that's come out, and I have to say a huge thank you because I made my very first loaf of bread using a recipe from the blog and it was edible it was delicious in fact and I'm terrible with bread and I'm having a real hard time getting the hang of bread stuff Um, my chapatis are like cardboard my banana bread didn't didn't cook properly and so I'm just not very good at bread things so anyway this was my first success so I'm really pleased and um, I'll post a link to the blog Um, the name full Irish vegan comes from the full Irish breakfast which I don't think there's any vegetables involved at all and so when this person went vegan the one of the first things they wanted to do was figure out how to uh, create a vegan full Irish breakfast because they love their big fry ups as we all do and they've obviously done it because everything's pretty much uh, substitutable (laughs) <laughs> I love making up words. Anyway, so it's a really cool blog, lots of um, great recipes, and also uh, the author is a supporter of unequivocal um, abolition of animal use. So I'll post a link to that, and what else is going on? Professor Francione has done another commentary, so please listen. Um, it's This one was a, a couple or three weeks ago. Um, he had invited people to send in questions that they wanted him to address because uh, there's a lot of um, people who really like to uh, ask for clarification on certain things. And um, he posted it on Twitter and said, just email me. So he's actually done his first 
response to those questions and the vast majority of the questions were about single issue campaigns so Professor Francione has incorporated that into this commentary has has his response to those questions and also he he addressed the unbelievable um logic of the MDA supporters who are also huge supporters of welfare reform and opponents of abolition um, because apparently um, other people have noticed the anomaly as well so I will post a link to that also and um, other than that it's just you know it's just getting really good this week I wanted to do a podcast um, because I need therapy and this podcast I've never hidden the fact that it is actually therapy and I haven't done a podcast for a while because I'm actually supposed to be doing my homework right now but this is more important because I need to um, talk about this stuff and I also hope that it will be useful to people who are promoting veganism and abolition to an incredibly speciesist society um, in a world dominated by welfare advocates and happy meat promoters. So, um, I got home today from doing the street stall with um, William Paul. I have to just take this moment to send a huge thank you to William for tirelessly, every single Saturday, coming with me to do the stall and to... Um, stick up for animals with me it's so much nicer with two people or more I'm sure um, so I really appreciate the company I appreciate the support and he always shows up and this is a 16 year old person who's probably got so many other things that he could be doing and he chooses to give up this time so I'm so grateful to him every single Saturday he's there it's wonderful. Anyway, so we've had we we've had some experiences, and I just wanted to talk a little bit because things happen, and you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and I always think, okay, next time I'm going to say this, or why didn't I say that? So I want to talk about I think it's three or four different things that people have done that I didn't respond to the way I wanted to, but I think it might be useful. First of all, I'm going to get off my chest <laughs> because it's sort of, they eat me up, you know, inside when I don't say what I want to say. And then I, you know, you go back over it and you look over it. I've done this many times before on my podcast. And um, also, I do think it might be useful for other people who are talking to people about veganism because they might encounter these same questions. They might encounter these same attitudes and these same things. In fact, I'm, I'm sure they do. Um, if anybody, you know, if I, start, if I started getting a dollar for every time somebody mentioned the Inuit people, I'm sure that I would be able to buy myself a nice bicycle, but um, anyway, that's that was funny because it happened today. But anyway, um, so I'm going to talk a little. I'm going to talk about three or four things that happened. I hope that it's useful for anybody who's comes across these same things, um, and um, anybody who else who's doing stalls, or who's just doing advocacy, or just talking to people in their daily life. You're going to come across all kinds of um, really twisted logic, and you know, really. Um, situations that you don't normally encounter and if you're advocating for anything else the human rights related or the environment you wouldn't encounter them it's unique to animal advocacy it's unique to the animal rights movement I think okay so I think it was a couple of weeks ago um, a couple of these kids came up and I th I'm pretty sure that one of them was drunk and um, so you know but he said he came rolling up with his friend and we were just sitting up so we weren't quite done yet and he said, I cut the heads off chickens, does that bother you? And I said, and I looked up at him and I said, what do you think? 
because I'm just a fallible human, you know, <laughs> I had that reaction, and they stuck around and talked, and actually his friend was sober, and his friend was um, quite uh, intrigued about the whole thing, and I think he even took a pamphlet on veganism, um, he took one of the Boston Vegan Association's pamphlet, which I love their pamphlets, and um, I give them out a lot, in fact, I've run out, so... Um, I need more. I've actually already uh, written to them, and I'm very grateful of them for providing that. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that they do by sending those pamphlets out to people f- to use. So anyway, so that was that was what I did. But I've already talked about this before, but I learned this from Roger Yates. And instead of saying something like, what do you think? Um, I would prefer to say, you know, look, if this was a human rights stall, do you think that you would have come over here? If this was a, if this was a human rights stall that was speaking out against child abuse... Would you have come over here and said, I beat children to death, does that bother you? Pretty sure the answer would be no. Um, Roger does that when people go on forums and post pictures of um, animal flesh and say, I'm going to go have me a nice big steak. And I talked about this once before with my boss did it. So, you know, it takes practice because in those moments you forget things. Um, so it takes more and more and more practice to learn how to, you have to overcome the, um, the knee-jerk reaction if you can. If, if you can do it. And so anyway, if anybody does that to you, um, and they will, um, try to take that angle with them. Say, you know, that's fascinating, you know. Um, you know try to pretend that um, you're looking at them under a microscope and and become objective about it and remove your, your ego and remove your self and look at them as a sociological s- subject. I think that's what has kept Roger Yates sane. <laughs> for all these years that he's been dealing with um, this issue, these issues. And you could say to them, you know, that's really interesting that you say that because I wonder if this was, um, you know, a stall against such and such, would you have done that? And I think it would make the person think. Um, it would certainly not give them the answer that they expected, and it wouldn't be the result that they expected. They wouldn't want to be analyzed, psychoanalyzed by you. They want you to feel upset. That's why they do these things. It's It's terrifyingly horrifying how flippant, we are about this unbelievable holocaust that's going on it's the flippancy is 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 very very upsetting um i have a great sense of humor and i laugh a lot but i uh, i do tend to be quite serious at my stall um there's very little joking around there because it's a serious issue so anyway, that's what, my, what I would try to remember to do. If you can sort of manage to do that, you know, remove yourself and be objective and look at them like a social, you know, make them feel uncomfortable. They're trying to make you unfeeling. They're trying to make you feel uncomfortable. Look at them and say, you know, that's really interesting. Put on your scientist glasses, you know. Hmm, that's a, that's a fascinating subject A, you know. So anyway, and then um, uh, last week, I think it was, we had a couple of people uh, come up and this happens all the time, but I'm just going to talk a little bit about it because I know we've all dealt with it. They'll make up hypotheticals that are so unrelated to their own experience. I mean, the Inuit one is, the, you know, the Inuit and the people living in the Amazon and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's even more bizarre ones because this girl came up and said, what about if the cow is allowed to keep the baby and the cow doesn't get killed? You know, is it all right to take the milk? And... um I mean, she basically wasn't really listening. I'm not sure if she was, um, I mean, she just basically had verbal diarrhea. 
and I tried to get a word in edgewise and say, that's really not what this is about. What we're talking about are the cows that are being, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where this mythical cow that you're talking about lives, but I don't know any. Uh, but anyway, and I said, you know, so what, do you have a cow, you know, are you, are you looking after a cow who's have, has a baby and you're looking after both of them and taking the milk and allowing the baby to drink the milk and not going to kill the cow? And she's like, I live in the city. And I'm thinking, well, then why did you make up this fantastic scenario? Um, it's just astonishing. And then her, her friend who was, they were kind of like, um, I don't know, they dressed in a certain style where... They had all black clothing and kind of punky, I guess, or gothic or whatever. So highly unlikely, and they did not look like bodybuilders. And he was like this guy, and he said, what about bodybuilding? And I said to him, Google vegan bodybuilding. But I, and he said, oh, wow, really? Okay, I can't even imagine that. And I said, just Google vegan bodybuilding. But I wish, <laughs> I wish, I wish that I had said, First of all, are you a bodybuilder? Um, and if not, then why are you so concerned about the bodybuilders? You know, why, you know, um, it's just astonishing the straws that people will grasp at to avoid uh, talking about their direct uh, responsibility. And it's hard to sometimes not get sidetracked, you know, because they'll ask you these questions that throw you. And they do distract you, and you start saying things like, there are vegan bodybuilders. First of all, if you're not a bodybuilder, you know, this is irrelevant, because why are you so concerned about the bodybuilders? And also, what a trivial, what a, such a trivial reason to try to justify this holocaust, this this massive, um, you know, staggering amount of, you know, words can't even, there's no way to describe what's happening, really, we try, we try with using all these big words, and it just doesn't even cover it, and you know, it's just to worry about bodybuilding, I mean, first of all, like most other things, there's vegan bodybuilders, Uh, but even if there weren't, even if you couldn't bulk up to ridiculous sized muscles, uh, so what? That's not a moral justification to do what we're doing. And um, we need to catch people on that, you know. Um, he didn't, you know, they're not doing it deliberately. They're not, um, it's unconscious on their part. They're reaching out. Their brain is reaching out for stuff to get away from getting to the conversation of what they are doing themselves. And I do Generally, I manage to bring it back to that with people. That's my, I I kind of always do that. You know, I just can't help myself. And they don't like it. They they kick and squirm and they're backed in a corner. But no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, Not going to let you get away with it. Um, You know, truth hurts, but just call it tough love, if you will. But, you know, sometimes you do kind of get thrown and you start talking about vegan bodybuilding with somebody who's not even a bodybuilder and you haven't even discussed um, their own consumption and then you have the friend talking about the mythical cow that doesn't exist that she doesn't have any awareness of uh, because she doesn't want to talk about the fact that she's drinking milk from cows that are horrifically tortured, whose babies are taken away. And I did manage to get that in 
and then the guy was like what about bodybuilding so that would be my advice is you know people will try to sidetrack and say you know what about um you know I can't think of another one. I mean, that alone says enough. They'll they'll come up with things like that. It's like, are you a bodybuilder? And, you know, usually the answer is no. You know, what about the Inuit? Are you Inuit? You know? Um, no, I'm not Inuit. <laughs> and then today, we had somebody, and I've met a couple of people like this before. Now, these ones are the ways, they're pretty much a waste of time. Um, and I would suggest trying to, unless you want to drive yourself crazy... Try not to allow, you know, just don't even bother. Well, I shouldn't say that. The guy came up and tried to accuse us of being speciesist because the the type of the type of uh, person I'm talking about is like they love to play mental games and and they love to um, think about all kinds of you know really abstract stuff. I guess it's just the way their minds work. And they're fascinated by it, and you could have any conversation, and I'm pretty sure that if we were sitting there with a stall about the environment, he would come up and immediately try his best to um, make noodle arguments, like big knots, you know, tie like all around and around, like, what if hypothetically this was just a dewdrop within a dewdrop, then it wouldn't really matter that, um, you know, we were destroying it because it's a dewdrop, or, you know, just like really crazy, like, stuff that is sort of really, really relevant. So he tried to say that we were speciesist because we were sitting here talking about speciesism. It was just so illogical. It's just utterly insane and, and really, really, really crazy. And I should have at that point said to him, you know what? If you are, you know, saying that, then I doubt we can have a rational discussion because I can't relate to, to that way of thinking because he said that because we were not the members of the species that were being exploited, we were being speciesist because we were saying that cows were incapable of doing a stall. Well, empirically, cows are not capable of doing a street stall about speciesism because they um, uh, they don't uh, have the faculties to... Um, and this is not being species, this is just keeping it real. I also do not have the faculty to um, run 60 miles an hour on land. A cheetah does. Um, that doesn't make it right for the cheetah to imprison me and torture me and steal my babies. And in fact, cheetahs wouldn't. But, um, you know, the guy, it was just it was just insane. And I'm truly glad that there's... Uh, in my entire two years of doing this type of stuff on forums, in the street, and... Um, wherever else online, mostly online, um, except for, you know, and in person talking to other people. I've only encountered like three people total who have this convoluted, this kind of like, and he was standing there smiling, saying, well, your version of morality is different from my version of morality, and I'm entitled to do that. That's basically what the conversation was, until finally I was like, there's no point in talking to you. You know, he, he was said, I'm a speciesist, of course I'm a speciesist, and I said, well, then you might as well leave, because... I know that that doesn't sound like, oh, I'm not being effective, whatever, but he didn't come over to us to have a discussion about the issue. He came over to play little mental games because he just enjoys um, weird, abstract arguments and trying to say, I did the whole burning house with the old people. I said, if it was an old person and a young person and you chose to save the young person, does that mean that you could use the, un the old people in unconsenting biomedical experiments? And he said yes. And then he backtracked. And then, you know, it was like, it was just so... And I just... I just say, you know what, hopefully he doesn't act on his version of morality. But the thing that really, really bothered me is I've, I'm reading Introduction to Animal Rights, which is another fantastic book. And I 
was leaving the house today and I was like, I'm going to take it and bring it with me. And I thought, oh no, because I'll be talking to William the whole time. I won't have time to read. I won't need it. And what do you know? I needed it because the guy was trying to say that morality is all in our heads and that my version of morality is different from his version of morality, but it didn't make what we were doing to animals immoral. And Gary Francione writes the most incredible in the introduction of the book. And I was like kicking myself that I didn't bring the book. And actually I told him, I said, you know what, you sound like you're really fascinated by philosophical moral arguments and you really enjoy this kind of stuff. I recommend reading Introduction to Animal Rights by Gary Francione because he deals with these and he said, I'm not going to read it. He just did He said, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read that book. I'm not going to read your book. He didn't want to take a pamphlet. Okay, he wanted to stand there and convince, you know, and just tell me that tell us that we were speciesists and say that if we were white people and we had a stall against racism and then we were being racist because it wasn't black people and I you know this is the type of thinking but like I said he didn't come over to have a decent um, chat about the issue and the the bottom line is right now we're looking for people who care about the issue I'm not going to spend all my time and energy on people like that they're the, the vast minority people do care about morality and he kept saying he said it's a hard sell and I'm thinking yeah, it's hard to sell morality to somebody who doesn't care about morality. No kidding, you know. Uh, are you that proud of it? You know, he's like, I've got so many vegan friends, and I'm thinking, you're just admitting that you're an immoral person. I mean, congratulations. And you know, the sad thing is, there's no consequences for that when it comes to non-humans. No consequences. I mean, very few. I mean, if he got caught torturing um, somebody's pet, um, then maybe there would be some minor consequences, but the bottom line is, as we all know, because of speciesism. So I said to him, you know, we're looking for, you know, people who really care, and I basically invited him to leave. Um, but, um, so he stayed there for ages. I mean, he didn't have time to read, you know, Introduction to Animal Rights, but he certainly wanted to have, like, if we had been sitting there with a stall in the environment, I guarantee you he would have come over and tried to have some strange, abstract, philosophical discussion about the meaning of, you know, <laughs> oh gosh, whatever, like, you are just engaging in mental masturbation, and I really don't want any part of that, because it's really, you know, you're, st he did try to say that factory farming was wrong, but it wasn't because it was of the animals, it was because of, um, just because it's, it's unnatural, <laughs> and he said things like, um, I'm, I'm perfectly naturally able to digest meat, therefore I'm allowed to do it. And so I said, well, a grown human man is perfectly naturally capable of raping a young child. Does that justify it morally? Oh, no, but that's a whole different thing. And I said, yeah, you're speciesist. And he said, yes, I am speciesist. And I'm like, well, it's kind of like, you know, there are, there are very few people like this. Very, very few. Like I said, in the two years that I've been discussing veganism with people, I've only found three people, I can remember them, there was one guy that I used to call Zifa Zachariah, Roger will know who I'm talking about, that's that kind of guy, and if it was a, if, if it was a blog or a, or a conversation or a street stall about any, anything, anything at all, they want to come over and play little games with, with um, philosophical arguments, but they don't actually want to really engage in, in uh, serious moral discussion. Uh, because they don't have any morals. <laughs> They're very much in the minority. Very, very, very much. So don't worry about them. That's what, I, that's what I've sort of said. Um, but um, here's the bit I want to read. So just in case you ever meet one of these people, and they try to convince you that, that you can't tell them about morality because it's all, um, it's all subjective, and it all depends on society at the moment. So he's like basically um, 
So anyway, this was the bit that I wanted to read. This is, I wish I had taken this book with me. I was so mad at myself that I didn't take it. Because Gary Francione does a brilliant job of talking about that. It's called, in the introduction of Introduction to Animal Rights, and it's the paragraph, it's the section that's titled, A Word About Proving, in quotes, Moral Matters. And the bit that I wanted to read is that, um, oh, he talks about mathematics, okay. Most moral matters do not lend themselves to the certainty that we can have about mathematics. Because that's what I said to this guy, because I'd read it and I couldn't remember properly the way to do it, because I'm not that clever. And I didn't take the book. So he talks about, as a general matter, we cannot prove moral matters in the same way that we can, say, prove that 2 plus 2 equals 4. The proposition 2 plus 2 equals 4 is self-evident. It is true by virtue of the very meaning of the terms that are used. Anyone who understands the meaning of the word 2 and the concept of addition must conclude that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is true and that 2 plus 2 equals 5 is false. Most moral matters do not lend themselves to the certainty that we can have about mathematics. We cannot have mathematical certainty about our moral views, whatever they may be, concerning capital punishment, affirmative action, abortion, or animal rights. We may have compelling arguments that support our moral views, but we cannot say that those views are indisputably true and certain in the way that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is indisputably true and certain. The fact that matters of morality are different from matters of mathematics leads some people to believe that moral views are no different from our opinions about what flowers or paintings, baseball team or musical group that we like, and that no moral view can claim to be preferable to another. These beliefs are reflected by those who maintain that racist or sexist attitudes or language are simply matters of political correctness. That is, they maintain that whether racism and sexism are morally wrong or right depends on shifting political and social conceptions and are ultimately subjective matters of convention and that there is no absolute objective moral truth about racism or sexism. Such a view does not follow from the fact that we cannot achieve certainty in morality in the same way that we can in mathematics. This is the key bit right here. Moral judgments may not be certain in the same way that mathematical statements are, but moral judgments do not require such certainty in order to be persuasive and compelling. If one moral view is supported by better reasons than others, then that moral view is presumably the one we should adopt, until some other moral position with even better reasons in its support comes along. If an argument in favor of moral position is valid, that is, the conclusion of the argument follows from the premises in such a way that if the premises were true, the conclusion must also be true, then any such argument should be accepted over an argument in which there is no such relationship between the premises and conclusion, such as this guy saying, because we're at a stall about speciesism that says abolish speciesism, we're being speciesists because we're not cows. Okay? If a moral position fits more comfortably with other considered moral positions that we hold, then we ought to accept that moral position over another that does not so fit. For example, 
we may not be able to prove moral propositions in the way that we can prove that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But we can offer many compelling reasons why we ought to condemn the Holocaust as a blatantly immoral event, and we can offer no reasons to regard such an event as morally justifiable. That's what I was trying to say to this guy, and I just didn't have these words. Moral condemnation of the Holocaust also fits with our considered judgment that intentionally killing innocent humans is morally wrong. But could we prove that the Holocaust was immoral to, say, a Nazi or some other brand of white supremacist who believes that Jews, or any other group, are inferior and may be treated solely as a means to the end of whatever group serves as the master class? No, we could not. That does not mean, however, that the immorality of the Holocaust is a matter of opinion. So the fact that I couldn't argue with this guy about um, the, um, you know, he, he was like, it was like arguing with a white supremacist about the immorality of the Holocaust. And, you know, like I said, these people are rare. I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but you do, like I say, in two years, I have noticed three of them. In fact, one of them wasn't even, doesn't even really count. There was this one guy, Zephyr Zechariah called him. Zephyr Zechariah's a book. I don't know why. His name was like Zebediah, or he had some stupid name on the forum. It probably wasn't even his real name. I don't know. And I just said to the other people on the forum, I said, look, you know, this guy, you're wasting your time. You know, tell him to go and debate on a forum about gun control and, and or whatever else, because we, you know, we don't have time to, um, we need a movement, you know, we need a movement of people. Now, there wasn't a line of people uh, standing by, um, behind this guy. I don't know. He was. He was. It was. He was very, very, very pleased and smug about this. This horror. It was, it's. It's terrifying to talk to somebody like that because it's. It's like it would be like talking to a Nazi during the Holocaust, and them making jokes about it and saying that morality is a matter of opinion and that Jewish people are inferior and and um, that they are being racist and that's perfectly fine. So, th those things can be quite upsetting. And I think my hands were shaking afterwards because. Um, yeah, it's it's unusual for that to happen. Very, very unusual. And the rest of the day went really well. And um, we actually did have people stop by in the afternoon. And we had some wonderful conversations. Um, right after, right when he was leaving, basically at the end he said to me, you, you know, I spent time with a pig. And he, the pig almost convinced me to stop eating pork. But, you you know, the pig did a way better job of trying to get me to go vegan than you did. I mean, the guy never wanted to go vegan. He wasn't even open to the idea of veganism. He wanted to have a debate about how we were, you know, he wanted to have a illogical, um, theoretical um, co comparison about the fact that his morality told him that what we were doing was speciesist. You know what I'm saying? It's like insanity. And then I said to him, okay, so, you know, please go to sanctuaries and let's hope that they can convince you to go vegan for yourself. I mean, we tried to get rid of him a couple of times and he just wouldn't leave. Um, but anyway, uh, so if somebody, do, I recommend reading Introduction to Animal Rights because you will encounter these people who do want to have philosophical moral uh, questions about morality and how it's personal choice. That's another one, the personal choice one. For the personal choice one, I really recommend listening to Colleen Patrick Gaudreau's, um episode that she did on that. That's what I learned and I'll, and I'll probably post a link to that. Then the last one that I want to talk about was when somebody, these couple of kids came up right when he was there. And then right when he left, they came up and they said, oh, what did he say? What am I supposed to eat then if I'm not allowed to eat meat and do whatever? 
and I said, well, you could have a pie if you want. You can have anything you want. And I handed him, because the vegan restaurant um, in Auckland, the Golden Age, does cater to um, the um, the sort of food type that imitates this type of food that um, is, is omnivorous food. So there are pies um, and pastries stuffed with things. And there is like um, faux, faux meat products and things like that so I said to me if you want to have a pie you can have a pie you can have whatever you want you can have cake and I gave him the I think what the next time anybody does that I'm going to say before I even say anything if they say what am I supposed to eat I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to say veganism is not just a diet that needs to be up front that needs to be said up front I'm tired of this focus this elimination of all other aspects Okay, obviously food is the biggest one, and um, but we can't allow it to be what veganism is because it's not just a diet. So like Ari Solomon wrote for Huffington Post, an incredible article, he's a fantastic writer, and he wrote a great, great article about what this is, don't tell me what to eat. It's just so awesomely written. But I don't know, is Ari Solomon a person who consumes a vegan diet, or is he vegan? Because you're not vegan unless you're vegan. If you consume a vegan diet, then you consume what some people call a pure vegetarian diet. I don't call it that because I've met some pure vegetarians from India and they drink milk. So I stay away from the whole vegetarian label. Okay, I say pure vegan diet. Do you eat a vegan diet? So if somebody eats a vegan diet, please don't call them vegan. Say they eat a vegan diet. We need to clarify that. So I wish Ari Solomon, if he is vegan, in fact. And I'm not saying he's not. I don't know because it's focused on food. Um... I wish that he would write an article as witty and as compelling and as as well informed and as as you know you know wonderfully well written about uh all animal use you know veganism that would be great but this was a fantastic article I love it but you know it's not just about food so I think that if anybody comes up and starts that oh what am I supposed to eat how do I eat how do I become vegan I don't know what to eat I'll say first of all it's not just a diet the rest of the conversation can go from there we can talk about food we're definitely going to have to talk about food especially if you are genuinely interested and you honestly your mind is just blown because you're like what do you mean you don't eat you know you don't eat animals and then we can talk about that but first thing you need to know is not just about diet so I will say that next time and then the kids might say, well, yeah, but um, so what do I eat? And I would start that off rather than humoring him on the fact that it's food because, you know, it's very important what we're doing. And I might have just reinforced to him that veganism is just about food. So that was my experiences, our experiences, I should say, with myself and William. I'm sure there are other ones that I missed. Um, the um, So you're going to meet all kinds of people, uh, but, um, you know, I hope that those were useful. Um, if you do meet somebody who just, you know, it's, you sort of learn about these people who just want to sort of like have a debate. Um, they don't really care. And you just get them to admit that. And I didn't, you know, basically proudly say, he said, I'm entitled is one of the words he said. That's on him. That is on you, buddy. That That just tells us about you as a person. Okay, so if you want to go around advertising that, um, that's fine, but I don't take any responsibility for you're not going vegan because he kept wanting us to pat him on the back. And another thing, I wish, please, please stop promoting happy meat. Please stop promoting happy meat. I beg you, I beg you, I'm on my knees. Please stop. It's so detrimental. 
we've got to stop promoting happy meat. Please stop doing it. So he talks about factory farming, and he's like, you know, and I'm better than somebody. There are people who are way worse than me, he said. I, I don't eat factory farming. I think factory farming is terrible. But I was like, I'm not going to give you props for that, man. You don't get any props for that. You don't get props for that. Sorry. They, we can't give them props for that. We can't. Please don't do it anymore. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention was like in Gary's Francione's last podcast, he talks about a vegan movement. We need a movement of people doing this. And it's individuals individuals but what we need for the animals is that worldwide no matter what country you're in if you are talking to if somebody in the you know general public who's never been talked to about this issue talks to somebody about the animal rights issue then they're spoken to about use of animals about all use of animals and about veganism because right now, they're all being spoken to about happy meat, factory farming, and free range as a movement. So that's why Gary was saying, you know, individuals are doing it and the movement is growing. But we need, you know, that's what's going to change the world is individuals. So no matter where you are, when you talk about animal rights, you're talking about animal rights. And it's not a hard thing to do. And you very rarely encounter people like these people who just like don't really care about the issue. You know, they just came over because they just want to. They just want to argue, basically. Um, like I say, uh, uh, whatever we were sitting there doing, he would have wanted to argue about it because that's how he gets his kicks. Um, but it is terrifying how flippant uh, he was and how he was smiling. But that's okay. So anyway. Um, I, I'm not being negative. I'm just sharing my experiences. Um, there are lots of wonderfully positive experiences. And, you know, it's like they say, you know, the bad stuff always makes the better stories. Um, I just think it's more useful. I just think that it's useful for, for people who are doing advocacy to share to share their experiences. Um, and um, And I'll tell you one thing that I am telling you now, that those people who say that you can't talk to people about veganism, you have to talk to them about vegetarianism, or you have to talk to them about free range, or you have to talk to them about factory farming. They are wrong. They're wrong. I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. I dare you to give it a shot, and not just one time, and not just one person. Do it for a month. That's, that's not a very long time. If you're an advocate, and you care enough to spend time talking to people about whatever, you know, pig, pig cages, okay, please just have a go and a variety of people and talk to them about veganism, our moral obligation to animals, and don't be afraid to use that language, and I am telling you, you will be very, very pleasantly surprised. Now, obviously, even when you're talking to people about free range, you're going to meet people who are opposed to the you know, the idea that animals are morally significant, speciesism is entrenched, or they're going to try to say that they're different from us, or they're lesser than us. I mean, that's a given. We live in a speciesist society. But when you talk to them about violence, when you relate to them about the, the fact that what we're doing is not morally justifiable, you have very rewarding interactions with people. And this is how we're going to change the world. So I try it. 
just give it a go. You know, learn a little bit about the arguments. You know, um, like I say, the mor- the moral one. You know, people get hung up on the on the moral thing. Well, I mean, read read Introduction to Animal Rights. You know, even if you just go to the bookstore and say you can't afford to buy it, just flip to page. Let me see. Because this is a useful one because, I, I've, you know, people do try to have arguments about how we can say it's immoral. You know, it's all in our head, they say. Moral, the guy stood there and was, morality's in here, he said, pointing to our heads. And I'm like, well, that's just great. And, you know, you could be a person who engages in child rape and say, well, morality's in my head. I say it's not moral, immoral. You know what I'm saying? There's no logic there, you know. Anyway, so introduction page 34 or XXXIV. In Roman numbers, a word about proving moral matters. Very useful, very useful chapter, a uh, very useful um, section, and um, the entire book is obviously fantastic and useful. But just you know, look at yourself. I mean, ask yourself the basic questions and try to talk to people about animal use and veganism. You will be pleasantly surprised. You will be pleasantly surprised. I'm telling you, um, it's very, very effective, and. Um, um, it's it's so wonderful, and you know, all of the you know every now and then you get people who do that to who do that other stuff. Um, well, you know, so what? I mean, we're just at the beginning. I mean, imagine the abolitionists against slavery. I mean, at least we're not being beat down by the police, right? You know, our lives aren't in danger. Um, although, if um, the pro-violence people have their way, uh, <laughs> they probably will be. But you know, um, I don't think they'll have their way. I don't think they will. I think that we are, um, you know, something really big is happening. Okay, I think that's all that I wanted to say. Oh, there's one final thing I wanted to, um, I asked Professor Francione, what what did he think about this whole um, cult um, accusation? And I think maybe people are trying to turn it around because Professor Francione has mentioned the cult-like aspect of the animal movement. And so maybe people are trying to turn that around on him and say, oh, you know, we we all get accused of being mindless zombies and not being able to think for ourselves. Um, And so um, I just thought I'd just ask him real quick over Skype, like, you know, what he thought about that. Professor Francione, what do you think about this whole cult accusation thing that's going around as the movement grows bigger and bigger. You know, I find it humorous. People say, oh, well, you know, people agree with Francione. They must, you know, the, the Francione followers or whatever they're called. Look, I'm making arguments. The arguments are either valid or they're not valid. It's like saying two plus two equals four. If somebody says two plus two equals four and somebody else agrees with that, that doesn't mean they're a follower. It means they've been persuaded because they understand what two means. They understand what the process or the function of addition is. And they've come to the conclusion that given, you know, the meanings assigned to various ideas or various uh, notions, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is not particularly controversial. I'm making arguments. The arguments are either valid or they're not valid. My arguments about the property status of animals and the structural limitations of animal welfare reform, I've been making them for years now. I make them in quite considerable detail. The arguments are either valid or they're not valid. Interestingly, the people who disagree with me don't seem to be able to come up with arguments what why or, or, or substantive positions about why my arguments are wrong. They rather say that, you know, they, they dismiss them. They say, well, he's divisive or he's this or he's that. Or anybody who agrees with him is a follower. I'm making arguments. Well, there you have it. Uh, I, do, uh, I do think it's quite funny. So um, I enjoyed that little, um, that little segment. I enjoyed listening to that. 
and I just thought I'd share it. So anyway, um, I hope that that was useful, and um, I feel better. <laughs> Therapy's a good thing. Recommending a podcast if you if you want to talk about animal rights, talk about it, please. And um, I'll be back. I'm going to go do my homework. Bye.